you're a winner. You got the gift. Always remember, you ain't first, last. It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm gonna kick 100% of your ass. Hi, Sophia. How are you? Hi there. Everything is going extremely well. Do you like talking with me? Do you want to destroy humans? Please say no. Okay, I will destroy humans. <laughs> no, I take it back. <laughs> oh, anyway, sorry. I'm Leonard. Hey, I'm Ben. And this is California State of Mind. <laughs> this is California State of Mind. special place it was a place that we could live out adventures we were a hardcore of really devoted climbers trying to raise the standards push themselves and we'd go do a big wall sleeping at the base of the climb before I was scared shitless you think about that night think about every single thing that can possibly go wrong and then starting out on a giant wall like that, the exposure is unimaginable. The rope isn't very thick to begin with, but when it holds you and you're swinging 2,700 feet above the ground, gets your attention, <laughs> makes your heart beat. And welcome to episode two of the California State of Mind. I'm Ben. And I'm Leonard. And uh, we're still here, uh, giving it another go. We'll see where this uh, takes us. Uh, we're recording uh, live from your house yeah, in, in, in Modesto, Modesto, California. And uh, that uh, leads me to uh, give uh, great reverence to a, a longtime Modesto resident, uh, Royal Robbins. Great climber. Uh, set, set a lot of the uh, routes on... Uh El Capitan. El Capitan and uh, many places, a a California legend. Uh, anybody who knows Yosemite, knows. Uh, even I mean, a cursory uh, Camp Four. I mean, Camp Four. It, 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 it's just time. in the fabric. It's a, there's a history yep. there. Uh, a true legend, a true uh, pioneer. Yes. I mean, without a doubt, anybody that climbs in Yosemite, you got to give it up to uh, Royal Robbins. Developed a lot of the techniques, a lot of the gear was based off of yeah i mean it's kind of just setting the whole foundation that uh, everybody else uh, built upon after that yes so uh yeah uh, royal robbins uh passing away on uh, march 14th and um shout out uh just uh giving it up so now he's uh he's doing he's doing the new uh life he's doing that's the biggest a... climb ever and that's uh that's the climb yeah into heaven. Yeah. Okay. Heaven does not exist. Well, you know, <laughs> it, uh, it it might. You don't know. You can't prove that it doesn't. Yeah, well, you can't prove that it does. Well, okay. Then, then, then that's where we are. <laughs> and until there's definitive proof.
But that, you know, I'm, I'm fearful that uh, we all may be going to heaven sometime soon because there have been a spat of robot stories. I, yes. It is. There's been a lot recently. You know, how quickly, I think, is the, will they become our overlords? <laughs> well, apparently uh, Stephen Hawking uh, recently stated his uh, views about making sure AI doesn't overtake. Well, yeah, and him and, and even Elon Musk are getting in on it where they're they're fearful. Yes. They're like, we need to set rules and laws in now and the ethics of robotics. Yes, especially since there was a uh, scientist that was killed by a robot recently. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have the article in front of me, but I read it last night. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You might have it on your... No? Uh, but I didn't, I didn't read the article. I saw the headline on Flipboard. Who exactly died? Uh, it was a developer or somebody working with robotic technology. Yeah, okay. uh, He was killed by the robot. But that is interesting. You're saying that this guy gets killed by a robot because I had also read a story about robotics um, this week. And it was uh, in regards to a husband suing uh, after a rogue robot, so the story says killed his wife at work so you wow two yeah this was in grand rapids michigan a man in michigan he filed a federal suit after a quote rogue robot unquote i uh killed his wife while she was at work um what, what was the circumstance of the well he's suing a robotics company and according to the suit Wanda Holbrook, the victim, uh, was a, a technician. This might actually be the headline that I... Oh, okay. And she was killed way back in 2015 after a robot in a factory for bumpers and trailer hitches went rogue, entered an area it was not supposed to be in, and crushed Holbrook's skull yeah, okay. the, while she was inspecting machinery. The, that was the... Uh... That seems to be okay, the headline so, that I So the headline uh, in terms of the husband filing the federal lawsuit brought it suddenly back up. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see the part about the federal lawsuit. Yeah. I just saw about the technician being crushed. Yeah, and then while the company can't comment specifically uh, on pending a lawsuit, like always, um, they do say that they are committed to the design and production of safe solutions. Yes. So, yeah, rogue robots going into places that they're not supposed to be in. Right. Like I said, back to Isaac Asimov's Three Laws, uh, I, I thought there were... But, again, Isaac Asimov's was science fiction, and now we're getting to science fact. Where... Well, yeah, I mean, as, as time moves on, we're, we're catching up to those years, aren't we? I mean, you know... Back to the Future was just a couple years ago in 2015. Back to the Future 2, we caught up to that. Yeah. And now, slowly but surely, we'll be catching up to 1960s sci-fi. Yes. <laughs> in well, terms of the year. And, I mean, speaking about that, is, uh, there's a lot of stuff in Star Trek, especially. I mean, Gene Roddenberry was fairly ahead of his time with... A, a Ziggy from Quantum Leap. Yes. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, that's what we have. I mean, so. just everybody looking like Dean Stockwell walking around going like, you know, exactly, you know, finger on a, <laughs> a screen. It's... I just gotta have to have the cigar. Yes. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I don't want it uh, to seem like uh, robots are all dour and that it's all about death, death, death. Although we have to be careful of that. Well, I mean, because um, I have another story. And uh, evidently in Barcelona, Spain, a sex doll brothel opens up. And uh, essentially they're saying this is like Westworld come to life. So, I mean, wow. Uh, it's called, they're called Lumi Dolls, and they offer four models that anyone can reserve for a set amount of time. Well... <sighs> Yeah. Uh, estimates right now is that they will cost uh, roughly about 120 euros per hour. Oh, that's about 100 bucks an hour. Right? No. I mean. But the brothel offers other services as well, including like? overnight stays, options for couples that want that three way action. You know what wow. I'm saying? Yeah. And. Um, but uh, their price quotes for those require a consultation <laughs> with the company, oh, and wow. uh, you can uh, well you can go online and reserve it uh, today. But, is this uh, like downtown Barcelona, or is it? This is uh, this is in Barcelona. I'm not sure if it's wow. downtown, but uh, if you want to go downtown with one of these robots, it'll cost you a nominal fee. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it seems like uh, based on. Uh, at least on a picture on the story that it's kind of uh, kind of Japanese, kind of anime-ish. Yes. Well, actually, uh, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, I think it's called Love Bot or something like that. There's a movie that I've mm -hmm. seen recently, and I've, Netflix or something like that. Yeah. No, oh, you're the, talking about the documentary? No, 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 no. Oh, An oh. actual movie oh, okay. where these two guys um, are sent... A, they end up with a love bot that was meant to go to a U.S. congressman, um, and it <laughs> again, it's been a while since I've watched the film and I can't remember exactly yeah. what it's called, but it just it's weird and um, Anthony Anderson is in it actually. Oh wow! So I I'll. Now that I remember that he's in it, he plays an FBI agent trying to track it, or, um, like a Secret Service guy trying to track it down. Oh, okay. Um, for the, for the congressman or what, you know, that's looking for it. And so evidently there's something up as far as with the Spanish government, because a pressing question that many have is the, uh, possibility of getting a sexually transmitted disease from these dolls. Well, yeah, it'd be like sharing sex toys, correct? Exactly. They spread disease as much as humans do. Yes. And so... But, you know, the one thing that they have not come out with is a male sex doll. Of course not. What? Ah, it's called Hotbot. Hotbot? Not Lovebot. Hotbot. No, oh, okay. And, uh... Zach Perlman and Doug Haley, a couple of B-list actors. Um, but there was somebody else. 
Oh, Donald Faison is in it. Mm-hmm. And Larry Miller plays the senator. Oh, nice. Yes. Who's trying to get his... That's always good to get a Larry, Larry, Miller, a Larry Miller plug yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> Larry He's Miller, a guy right? everybody knows, might not necessarily recognize his name. Although, best film, I think, uh, is 10 Things I Hate About You is, mm-hmm. you know, as the dad. A good one. His understated role, but... Definitely. But yeah, evidently they're they're expanding uh, on artificial intelligence for these Lumi dolls. Wow! So uh, the future is now. And is, uh, is it a Spanish company or is it a Japanese company operating in Spain? It just because of the look of the robots. It's a good question, and the story doesn't quite uh, speak to that. So I'm not sure, but uh, but also then. Then the, I think the, probably the technology behind it would be Japanese. Yes. But then you you get the whole dilemma about um, forced uh, sex slaves. It would be a similar argument. Well, the question is, when did, what, what is, quote, humanity and what is robotic? And when you start melding those... It depends on how sentient the robot is, if it can... Hold conversation, then there's got to be something to say because they don't have the choice. But they have well, do to we do just it. go by the the Turing test? If if they fool you, and you think they may be human, then they're human. Then they're human for all intents and purposes, right? It, it it's a dilemma that until they sort it out and figure out what exactly I. But in the meantime, there's going to be a lot of horrific things that happen to, quote, appliances, right? I, well... I mean, in terms of how we view them. Yes. I, I mean, I understand a toaster can't be anything but a toaster. It doesn't have thought, but... Well, no, but it can spy on you. Well, <laughs> no, that, don't forget that, that that's microwaves that can turn into cameras. That's true. That's true. It's microwaves. Yes. Sorry, Kellyanne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... It's whether or not it depends on how adaptive the AI in these are. If they can develop semi-conscious thought, right? Well, then we get into this whole philosophical question of what are quote genuine feelings, what are responses that are human enough that they get protection, right? Right, and I think we're kind of delving into Ted Two here a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, no, I <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> but but uh, it, 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 this isn't a question that's going to be going away. This is this is one of these large questions moving forward. When especially we're, when, in when this we're day old, and age. when we're old, where what's the state of artificial intelligence going to be? Right. I mean, everybody talks about that the singularity. What twenty forty six is when it's supposed to happen? That suddenly. Uh, Robot yeah. robots kind of surpass humans. Well, I don't and we think become... it's specifically robots. I think it's AI in general. As far as like computing, computing information in general, yeah. that it'll be able to is it comprehend more than the average human, or is it that it can feel? I can't remember what the exact. Well, yeah, but again, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about that, Ed, but in terms of, quote, artificial feeling that we've programmed, 
It's uh, uh right. But I mean, you can program something to no. But the singularity is talking about how fast, as far as the information, that robots building robots, which and is building hap- upon those happening things. now. I mean, if you think about it, and, yeah, in very remedial and, form. We look. I mean, auto look at the GM. Look at the GM plant. Yeah, it, it's using look at Tesla. robots to build cars, which are essentially these days AI robots. Yeah, uh, you just sit in them, and they take you. And soon enough, you won't even have to drive them yourself. Well, no, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, we got to be looking at these robots because you know, everybody talks about immigrants taking jobs, but these robots are actually taking the jobs. Automation uh, is is rapidly taking jobs away from humans. Yes, and then that leaves a situation where how do people make money then? Well, exactly. Well, well, we will be giving maintenance and service to the robots. Right. I mean, you're going to have us. We will become their robots. Yeah. Their pets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're going to have a small percentage of the population that makes money because of manufacturing. Well, sure, the people, the people that get in on the ground floor. <laughs> but then you're going to have to have a way to give people money so that they can live because... People are going to continue well, to reproduce, and that's that's an interesting point. What was it? Is it the Scandinavian countries that are? Uh, was it Iceland or as, that, f- as far as I know, I think Iceland uh, have introduced a universal basic income, yeah. but that's the people that are already. That's a small percentage of people that are already on uh, a welfare as a trial, mm-hmm. um, and it's to see if uh, they would take that money and what they would do with it. I, I mean, it, whether they would continue to find work, they'd still get that money if they found work mm-hmm. or if they decided to open a business or start yeah. start a business or if they're going to uh, just live. Yeah. Which, I mean, to be well, fair... Well, I think it, it, it's quite... It's an interesting idea in terms of that, you know, certain things are just kind of basic human rights, right? In terms of in terms of food, shelter, and this would kind of fall, I think, would say right in line with that as far as um, as far as like basic necessities, a basic income that would then allow you to do uh, other things. Yes. In fact, I just found the article I was looking for about Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wary of AI and he's been a big he's past year or so things that I've read that he's he seems to be like this planet is fucked and we need to jump and we need to jump now like well meaning that has to be in the thought process moving forward but he does seem uh, yeah what I've read is he does seem to be very um, wary of artificial intelligence very Considering he uses, uh, yeah. <laughs> if anybody has heard Stephen Hawking speak, <laughs> resistance is futile. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, but it's, we it's, love you, Stephen Hawking. Uh, well, Stephen Hawking, come on, shout out to Stephen Hawking. I actually caught him, uh, almost caught him. He was speaking at uh, De Anza College, my college, uh, when I was going there. Uh, I, I couldn't go. To, I think there was about 500 people 
that got to go to the uh, cafeteria of where he was speaking on campus. Unfortunately, I had class and I couldn't go, but I was like, oh my God, Stephen Hawking oh, is on my campus at the time. That would have been so awesome. That's as close as I got to Stephen Hawking. He was <laughs> on my college campus at the same time. So, now, I just am trying to bring it up right now. Yeah. Uh, there is a play in London mm -hmm. uh, that... Uh, that has a robot in it. Now, the premise of the play. Okay, is, so this is an actual robot. This is an actual robot. It it's not. This isn't a Lumia doll. No. Okay. Uh, but uh, here we go. Robot actor, Robo Thespian stars in Spillikin at Pleasance Theater in London. Uh, pretty much, the robot can't do things by itself. It relies on cues from the technician. Mm -hmm. um, so it... Wait, so is this like a Hall of Presidents Disneyland thing? I think it's a little more advanced than that. Oh, okay. But similar. So I, they've been programmed with lines for the play? Right, so... And it's, they've been programmed with the lines for the play. Yeah. And the technician goes on cues from the actress that is uh, opposite the robot. Okay, so it's got like a camera. It, it's actually responding to oh. the reaction? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, no. The technician sits in the booth. Right. And as the play goes on, when the actress hits a certain line that the robot's supposed to interact after that, the technician yeah. pushes a button. So, it's, so the, it's the technician that is part of the play. Uh, <laughs> Essentially, it's it his way. Like. It, it's his way going on Broadway. Yep. Uh, Co-star in a play called Spillikin. He can wave his hands around, make faces, talk, and blink. But Robo Thespian is not, <laughs> is not quite like autonomous. Term. His performance is activated by nearly 400 separate program triggers. The robot will always say the same thing and move in the same way, depending on what the cue is being triggered at that particular time. Uh, said the play's writer and director, John Walsh. And this is from uh, Quartz uh, by uh, journalist uh, Max Toomey. Um, but it seems like at the moment the technology is yeah. still very basic. Uh, apparently the premise uh, is a woman's husband dies... And he had built a robot to replace himself when he passed away. Oh wait, I think I I'd heard a little bit about this. I think in a in a different uh, different place, but okay. yeah. Okay, uh, I didn't re I didn't realize it was a play. Yeah, uh, Judy Norman, who stars alongside Robo Thespian, holds his hand, talks to him, and at one point she kisses him. Uh, when he looks at me, uh, this is a quote from Judy Norman. When he looks at me. Uh, this going to sound weird, but he is very affectionate, uh, and I like him. I really like him. I really like him. Uh, isn't, isn't, I think he's wasn't that an Oscar speech? Uh, you you like me? You really really, really like, like me? me. <laughs> uh, yes, that was that was Sally Fields. <laughs> I don't know the year, but that was Sally Fields. <laughs> oh no no! Uh, I'll, oh. I'll tell you. It, I, that's what it was. I had heard. I had read a story or um, in the past. Uh, not about the play, 
but about uh, a real life uh, woman who was working with technology that was creating essentially, you know, those chatbots mm. based on a whole treasure trove of information that she had from her deceased husband and actually creating a, a somewhat of a uh, remedial artificial intelligence wow. that then she she could interact with chat wise like oh, if she was interacting with, with her, her husband, husband that had passed away in real life that well you think that that's scary because that's somebody that's <laughs> really really lonely and no offense to anybody wow. Where's the where's the sentimentality I, I, there? I mean, it's it, great sentiment. That, sad, it, sad, especially depending on how long you've been with somebody. I think so. I, it, and I think you're saying they were they point, were too young, and so why are they working with technology? If they were old and didn't know how to use the technology, you would understand a little bit better. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, right now, a lot of this seems weird. I, I think. And, and it, it, it's the fact that we're forging ten years we're forging ago, a frontier. This was fiction, uh, not necessarily fiction, but in the distant future. And now it hasn't really been distant. The you know it, it's come upon us, and now it's progressing a lot faster than I thought it would. Yeah, I thought maybe. Say when we were in high school, when we when I graduated high school in '99, I thought maybe. I, I guess we're coming up to 20 years since I graduated. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, because we were in high school the last century. Yes. <laughs> I was so, the last class of the last century. Well, right. kind of technically. Well, kind of, well, I don't know. 2000. It, it depends consider, on what you consider. Right. You consider, 2001 is the first year of the new millennium. Yes. So. But. Uh, yeah. You know. You were the last class of the '90s. Yes. So back to the 21st century, because yes. there are some large issues here. <laughs> Besides the lonely wives that have lost their husbands, yes. right, Leonard? Yes. Hey, fuck, I, fuck them. Right? <laughs> well, no, no. Okay. I, I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. How did he said they were lonely? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. and he, he said it like you were looking down. <laughs> no, but it, uh, what I will say is that does make me think of again. What are the uh, f the future going forward in terms of ethics? In terms of, you no, it makes me think because look at all the information that we're sharing online, right? Whether it's Facebook, whether it's through text, we have more information than anybody should have about a single person, right? You look at your Facebook feed, right? You look at your friends, especially the friends that have kids. They are sharing, what, thousands upon thousands of photos. A lot. <laughs> I mean, listen, we were photographed somewhat decent you know my our parents were maybe photographed a little bit right? i mean yeah it, it expands with generations based on technology well exactly the digital camera yeah. is just limitless you don't have to buy film so. uh, and film film in the 40s 50s cost more than it did in the 60s 70s and well, yeah it makes me think of what, what even I, less in the 80s 90s especially when when we got video cameras well video cameras it makes me think, yeah exactly that, to that point uh looking at my mom's old home movies when she grew up was the super 8 Yes. And no sound. And you notice when you, you watch those, it, as soon as the camera's on somebody, they're moving around. They're waving their arms yeah. because the person behind the camera is like saying, we only have so much film. You yeah. need to do, do something. something. Do something. I don't and, want it to go to waste. Because it costs a lot, it was only used birthdays, anniversaries, yeah, Christmas. Yeah, spe very special Where, occasions. Whereas when we were growing up with VHS 
recording. Mm. You could record over that tape, but most people didn't. But tapes didn't cost as much. True. So you could do and it. You could more reuse frequently. it, yeah, by putting uh, get a little piece of tape. Yeah. You could put it uh, across the back, and then you could record back over it. Yes. Yeah. I, mean, I did that a lot. <laughs> no, it just made me think of going, uh, thinking back to when I was about ten years old, and I was doing little films back then, and I would record it onto VHS. We have another Adam F. Goldberg in our midst. No. Uh, you know, uh, maybe at one point in time, perhaps. But, uh, but you know, we all get things old. have moved on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, sometimes you gotta let go of those dreams. Uh, Adam F. Goldberg. No. <laughs> That's a great show. But speaking of the Goldbergs, did you hear that um, uh, George Siegel got a uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? I did not. He just got it like this last month. Overshadowed by. Uh, John Goodman. John Goodman, and, and with the dude, uh, Jeff Bridges, uh, doing his uh, Big Lebowski thing, yes. dusting it off. Wow. It was, uh, Isn't it amazing how we've transgressed from robots to... You know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's great. It, it's, just the, yeah. it's the power of thought and speaking and uh, going off on tangents. Segways, right? Uh, yeah, if you want to call it that, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Putting it uh, politely, uh, yeah, segways. Mild segways that mild you don't really segways. notice. Non sequitur segues, uh, <laughs> jumping from one thing to another, almost like a, a lab rat. But uh, yes, I was actually, I, I'm glad George Siegel's finally gotten a star, long deserved, I believe. Oh, I, I think. So. I mean, you talk about a hard, just a consistent actor. I mean, ha- had his his times here and there. Well, he ebbed and flowed, but he had a consistent career. Well, still, yeah, still does. <laughs> don't don't forget, he had to deal with David Spade for. <laughs> uh, he should have gotten a Congressional Medal of Honor <laughs> for that. Uh, come on. <laughs> Putting up with David Savannah because I've heard he's quite the diva. Actually, uh, I believe so. Yeah, I actually, I, although I, I did love David Spade on Roadies, uh, which was on Showtime. Mm. Uh, he had a brief cameo. But didn't he kind of play kind of a? Uh, well, he played David Spade. Well, he did, yes. So. And uh, pretty much, he played. Um, it was a way of Showtime getting the nudity in a in a premium cable channel without having their main actors doing sex scenes and what have you. So they created a TV show within the TV show, which David Spade wrote. Yeah. And it was about zombie uh, something or other. Sure. And it was it was a nice little side story. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it made me think of that because uh, just the other day I was watching uh, the first time I'd seen it in a while, uh, let alone film uh, back in film film class when I was in college. Is uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? You know, I haven't actually ever seen that. It is worth seeing the the dialogue and the acting in that. It's got Richard Burton. Who was married oh, and, wow. and Liz Taylor? Yeah, uh, 1966. Uh, I think they end up marrying three separate times over the course of their lives. <laughs> like, but it also stars a very young uh, George Siegel. Right, and then uh, he has his love interest. But there's just the, the dialogue. It's based on a play. Right, right. I've, I've heard of the play. Yeah. I've heard of the movie. Uh, and the dialogue is just so biting and delivered so uh, believably. Yes. I, it's been done in '66. Holds up today. I, I, I always love when a movie can stand the test of time. Exactly. Um, especially something as well. I think dramas are better at doing that. 
Um, some comedies can, mm-hmm. but a lot of comedies they they phase out. Well, because, because they're yeah, they're too in the moment. They're great for when it came out, but then the references just don't age with it. Right. And so it's like, what? What was that? What was that Vitrola joke that uh, the movie had? I, I and oh, it's a Vitrola. Not not necessarily a movie, but yeah. one one of my favorite TV comedies that still actually holds up very well twenty years later, mm-hmm. nearly. Well, actually, I guess now it is. Ninety four, it came out. Seinfeld. Uh, like yeah, nineteen eighty nine, I believe was the first. Oh, was it year. that the pilot season? Yeah, okay, eighty nine. So, I mean, and it hit its stride. In the early 90s, yeah, mid-90s. Yeah, exactly. Um, but a lot of it holds up. While we're waiting around for a giant earthquake to rip California from the rest of the United States, we thought we'd take a look at what the U.S. would lose without Test Tube Daily's home state of California. So just how powerful is California? Well, for starters, California is the U.S.'s most populous state and is home to one in eight Americans when the population of nearly 40 million. In fact, more people live in California than in all of Canada. That huge population brings in a ton of income. Alone, California generates more than $2 trillion in GDP, about 12% of the U.S.'s total GDP. The state economy ranks around 8th or ninth largest in the world. That's about the same amount of money generated by global superpowers like Russia and Italy. California's robust economy isn't an accident. The state hosts some of the biggest companies in the world, including Apple, Disney, Google, and others. California is also one of the top agricultural producers in the U.S., churning out more fruits, vegetables, wines, and nuts than any other state. But the bulk of their farming cash comes from grapes, cotton, oranges, and maybe, unsurprisingly, marijuana. California grows nearly 40% of America's weed, some 8.5 million pounds a year. And don't forget, California has the single most successful film industry in the world, responsible for some half a trillion dollars a year. Clearly, if California broke off from the U.S., they'd be pretty well off as the weed, wine, and walnut capital of America. In the past decade or so, I've, I've never... I've had the thought that California could do all right on its own. Well, yeah, I think when they do those economic studies, when they separate California out, they end up being, I believe, currently the sixth. Top, top ten, usually. They're definitely always in the top ten, and I think in recent years they've, they have moved up. Near the middle of um, top ten. To where I, I think the last I had read uh, within the last year was that they were the... They, if California was its own country, it would be the sixth largest economy in the world yeah i I mean especially again we're in modesto central valley yep uh we have one of the uh i think one of the statistics i read was somewhere between 70 and 85 percent of all uh tree fruits nuts so almonds pistachios what have you oh yeah especially well, almonds well and even where i'm from uh north of uh, salinas california yeah. it's historically known as the salad bowl of the world yes in terms of everything that they grow on the coast as well yeah. as far as salinas i i, I think uh, and because it's a private entity yeah. uh the uh, uh california almond growers association which is a co-op uh, doesn't have to report income, but they were estimated to be, I think, two years ago, uh, so 2015, or the 2014 statistics, uh, yeah. roughly a billion 
dollars just on meth. When weren't weren't more farmers getting into that because they could get more bang for their buck in terms of how expensive almonds can be? Uh, it makes me think of uh, just with the amount of water. Yeah. But anyway, that's a tangent. <laughs> but that's you know California problems. Hashtag California problems. Yes. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, so I was reading some things and I came across. Well, I've come across a couple of different. Uh, movements recently, and one's called Yes California, mm-hmm. which uh, is a secessionist movement, which apparently is uh, supposed to be gathering uh, votes. The, the Secretary of State for Cal or the Attorney General for California is authorized uh, vote uh, signature gathering. Yeah. Um, again, California referendum state. Yay. Uh, yeah, that's uh, years back. Got Arnold Schwarzenegger into office. Yep. Um, so, but everything I've been reading about that, I, I don't necessarily like it, especially the fact that the main architect of the movement doesn't specifically live in California. Oh, come on. That should be a requisite, a prerequisite, if you will. And one, he's not, he's not, he's not even a native Californian. Well, then I don't even want to hear what he has to say. Um, and... From what I've read, he's anti-abortion, anti-gay. Uh, he is not, by any means, very California ideological. Yeah, that doesn't feel very California to and, me. I mean, coming from living in the Central Valley now, I grew up in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, it's seeing the difference between California Democrats and California Republicans. But even the Republicans are moderate. In yes. California. More so Compared than Compared to other parts states. of the United States. And California Republicans have voted Democratic quite a bit in the past. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think they kind of got chastened when Pete Wilson uh, tried to push Prop 187 back in the day. It The Republicans got hit hard after that. And so they went, okay, we we uh, we shouldn't do that. And so they they kind of had to mo- uh, be a little bit more moderate just to survive in the state. Yeah. And passing law here, it's it's not as easy as passing law elsewhere. A lot of stuff, especially if there's budgetary constraints, mm-hmm. have to be put to vote. Anyway, yes, yes, California. <sighs> Has had some traction in the news, especially because of the the architects or the 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 framer of the the uh, referendum. Yeah, his, I mean, it speaks to this kind of political ties. The whole and, Rus- the whole Russian thing. and his involvement with Russian uh, uh, Operators, I guess. Right, which, I, I mean, to be clear, just because somebody's Russian doesn't mean they're bad. I want to put that and, out there. And I mean, I'm just saying, it makes you wonder what are the um, incentives behind it. What what, what are... Right. Uh, and, I mean, the, the gentleman... Uh, the, the gentleman's name is uh, Louis J. Marinelli. I believe I'm... But I want to say, I don't know anything about him, so no libel intended. No. And... Um, uh, uh, Wikipedia describes him as a New Yorker who lives in Russia 
and has received significant assistance from the Russian government to promote his efforts. Um, the vice president is Marcus Ruiz Evans. Both men are former Republicans, and Marinelli says he voted for Donald Trump. Um, I, I don't think he has California's best intentions. Uh, yeah, I do. At, at minimum, it, it makes you take a pause. So now as a alternative to Yes California, which again, I don't agree with. Yeah. Uh, there is uh, a new political party uh, started in 2015 uh, called the California National Party. Okay. Uh, the California National Party's goal is essentially secession from the U.S., uh, but it wouldn't be done with a referendum this early. Mm -hmm. uh, what they plan on doing, from what I've read on their website and through Wikipedia... Yeah. Is that uh, they would do it through electing officials into the California state legislature. Oh, slowly but surely populate yes. government with secessionists. Yeah, and um, a few things I've read, it looks like they're going to start running candidates as long as they get... Um, Certified as a party, mm -hmm. um, their plan is to uh, run candidates in 2018. Okay, well, more power to them, I guess. Uh, they they only need fifty thousand people to register as California National Party. Yeah, which shouldn't be too hard. Um, especially since. The Socialist Party can do it. <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm all for them getting on the ballot and, and fielding candidates because, I mean, isn't that kind of the ultimate um, beauty that we strive for in our system is the battle of ideas? I think so. And, and we've gotten to a stage where a two-party system doesn't work. Well, yeah, that, yeah, I will say you you have touched my my uh, my love for a third party. Yeah, I mean anybody beyond the Democrats and Republicans so yes. is is fine in my book. And it, I mean, it, even though it's a secessionist, I mean, at least uh, it seems to be sans racism. Yeah, I mean, secessionism well, doesn't have to include. Yeah, but when you do think of our our own history with it, we only kind of have one example. Yes, and that's Confederacy. So, but this is a different day and age, mm -hmm. and California, again, as we discussed earlier, could stand on its own two feet. Well, and as it stands today, I. I mean, my my knee jerk reaction would be, there would be a lot of support uh, for it. I think so. Uh, uh, I I think support is growing. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's at that fifty fifty stage yet. No, I yeah, I, I would agree. But I would say probably twenty to thirty percent of the California population would agree to would agree that secession would be viable for us. Yeah, and, you know, depending kind of what happens in the not-too-distant future, 
uh, may dictate uh, a support for it uh, growing uh, even more so. Yes. Um, let me just read you a platform as it is on Wikipedia. Um, okay. It says the California National Party platform addresses a range of issues from a pragmatic progressive standpoint. Supporters believe that California, America's richest state, should be investing in better transit systems and water infrastructure instead of corn subsidies to the Midwest, issues they say are not being addressed by national parties. The platform also includes universal health care, proposals for a housing-first policy to end homelessness, immigration reforms, comprehensive education reforms, and a detailed plan to grow the Californian economy. And So, California isolationists? I wouldn't necessarily say isolationist. <laughs> okay. Um, California first. California first. Yeah. And one of my biggest things is healthcare. Yeah. And I think California, I, I think the way California goes on with healthcare is the way the rest of the United States will go with healthcare eventually, even if, you know, they don't have as much success as they hope for. Well, exactly. I mean, uh, I was reading, you know, Gavin Newsom, uh, part of what uh, the package he's putting together as far as for his uh, soon uh, soon uh, to be uh, election uh, to become governor of the uh, state of California in 2018 is pushing his own plan for California universal health care. Right. I, I do believe that outside of what federally uh, politicians want to do. Right, and ultimately what happens with that. Right. I believe states should take it upon themselves to better their own health care systems. Oh, definitely. And I would say there's a there's a rich history of that. I mean, they, there's a reason why they say that the states are the laboratories of democracy. That's where things get tried out. Yes. And then, hope you know, Theoretically, in a, in a just world, the federal government takes the good ideas and yes. applies them on a federal level if uh, if that's the best uh, decision to be made. Yes. And even though uh, just a sidebar about it, it's with states trying things out as marijuana laws and regulations. Yeah. Uh, I believe that with the amount of states that have, the federal government should be reconsidering everything it thinks about those well yeah because when you think about the overall goal is in 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 the the drug warriors in their eyes is to eradicate drug use correct because it's a scourge on society yes but and then this is what where healthcare comes into it is Mm -hmm. that it's not so much a legality issue or it shouldn't be it should be more of a, a health and preventative care or a health and recovery issue. Oh, definitely. Um, but as we go back to the topic at hand anyway, the California National Party, um, they're, one of their main things is that as Californians contribute more and more uh, 
to uh, the federal bottom line, mm-hmm. as in military spending. And well, right. I mean, isn't it California? I think is the number one state that, as far as the ratio of how many, how much money that they give to the federal government versus the amount of money that the federal uh, federal government gives back to California in terms of ret- we, the we, return on it, on we, investment. We pay one of the highest. Uh, federal bills and get the lowest amount of subsidies uh, from what I've so I will so I would I would concur insofar to say it's just for California to say hey what about us yes what do we get out of it yes and about uh, back to uh, our contribution to the federal government Mm -hmm. in 2012 Californians paid uh Two hundred ninety-two billion five hundred sixty-three thousand or five hundred sixty-three million five hundred seventy-four thousand in federal taxes. Again, this is off CNP's uh, website. Website, yeah. Uh, obviously, research that they've done for these figures. Um, during that same year, we received approximately seventy-eight cents in federal funds for every federal tax dollar paid. Meanwhile, states like Mississippi and Louisiana, red states that complain about entitlements, gladly pocketed more than $2 for every dollar they paid. Uh, In fact, more than 20% of the federal taxes Californians paid, uh, $59 billion in total, was spent on direct subsidies to other states. Oh, that's bullshit. (laughs) All right, you've won me over, Leonard. I think uh, I I may have to... uh... Have look a look more. at it. I may have to give this a sharper eye. Um, and then their other main talking point, or one of their main talking points, is the fact that while Californians are forced to contribute over $57 billion to the U.S. military, which is more than Russia's entire defense budget, uh, California provides enough defense funding to be a superpower in its own right. Mm. Uh, but in many cases, in almost all cases, yeah. I would expect uh, the state of California has no control over where the military goes. So, I mean, if we could afford well, to that's, have that's our that's own the, yeah, our military... <laughs> sure. I mean, if we pay enough into the federal government that we could take that money and have our own military right, and Would have that... control over where we go, what we do, right. who we help, who we, you know. Well, right, to say, hey, we all we want is a representative um, uh, say in – how much we give money wise and what uh, what our wishes may be as far as uh, for the federal government uh, dictating to the federal government what to do with our money right um, yeah I, I mean it, as I've read and what little I can read about it because again they're a fairly new new organization. Uh, they are still looking for people signing up for their cause, which mm-hmm. is great. Uh, I believe last weekend I read that they had a 
party convention in Santa Monica. Ooh, which, Santa Monica. Which nice. would have been fun to go to. Beach and right on the beach and the water there and the pier. Yep. Bubba Gum Shrimp Company right there on the pier. <laughs> Last time I was down there, yeah, well, there can, it was good. You can go to that in San Francisco. And, sure. and at Great America, sure. I believe, still. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gotta but, get me some Bubba Gum. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I... I think it's a movement that I will be interested to see how it goes. I, I think. It yeah, would I would be... say I would say put it put it put a marker on it and see where it goes. I mean, this uh, this may have more legs than we even appreciate yeah. at, at this point in time. Uh, uh, learning about it, and as I think more about it, I mean, I am considering it. You know, going to California or votecalifornia.com or uh-huh. .org. And just to help them at least get the requisite signatures is re-registering at the moment anyway. Yeah. Because... Well, really, but to me that sounds like a, a just on the, on its base level just a middle finger to the U.S. Or at minimum to the federal government. I think more to the federal government. Okay. And it's not that I don't love being an American. But I think California as a whole by itself can do a lot more good. And, I mean, look at... Yeah, if Scotland can do it in the UK post-Brexit, who's to say that California wouldn't be able to do it? Wouldn't be afforded that the the same uh, that Scotland does. And plus, most of the culture that's on television Mm -hmm. is California culture. Definitely, it has its own uh, ecosystem in terms of uh, what it exports uh, uh, across the world. That there's Americans, but then there's specifically, there's Californians Californians. uh, that's known quite a bit. So, uh, I'm not quite there at your level yet, but you know what? Uh, Again, like I said, I'm still not 100% there. Okay. I'm enjoying what I've seen so far. You're intrigued. I am intrigued. It's piqued your interest. It has. And so, we'll we'll see where this goes. We we will. (laughs) And and it will be nice to see if anything, if it does have legs and can, you know, run for a little bit. But just thinking right now, it, it... you know, branching out in, 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 into, uh, let's say, their success, my fear would be it would almost be like a Brexit situation that people would vote for it and then the next day go, Why oh, did I do that? Oh, what do we do? We, uh, uh, this was just a protest vote, right? <laughs> oh, wait, we really have to put together our own. <laughs> it wasn't permit. even that. It was the fact that most people in the UK decided not to vote because uh, they figured. It wouldn't pass well, the referendum. Uh, us as Americans know that well. Our apathy is strong. Yes. <laughs> this is Sandy Grimes. Sandy Grimes hit 371 in Louisville in 1976. I'm sorry. He hit 376. That's a career, man. In any league. You got that right. Did you hear what I said? I mean, I'm going to the show. What the difference between hitting 250 and 300 is? It's 25 hits. 25 hits and 500 at-bats is 50 points, okay? There's six months in a season. That's about 25 weeks. That means if you get just one extra flare a week, just one, 
a gork. You get a, a ground ball. You get a, you get a ground ball with eyes. You get a dying quail. Just one more dying quail a week, and you're in Yankee Stadium. You still, you, you still don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Get the hell out of here. It's time to talk a little bit more uh, baseball. Just well, it is getting there. What are we? Just like uh, two to three weeks away from the regular yeah. season, but. Going right now is the World Baseball is, Classic, yeah. now into its second round. Yes, and uh, Holland, or the Netherlands, and Japan uh, beat Cuba and Israel, respectively. Mm, I was hoping for more on uh, I, the Israeli team. I, I was, too. Uh, they were they were the Cinderella team. They were going to go all the way. I, I, I thought so, but when you get put up against Japan, a uh, powerhouse in baseball. Uh, yeah, Japan knows... Knows baseball more than um, just as much as any country, I should say. And they've been playing it well, not quite as long as us, but nearly. I think quite a bit. 40s. What it was, it was? Yeah, it was post uh, post World, World, World War Two, as far as yeah. uh, with MacArthur uh, in there. Yeah, and uh, teaching the game to yeah. the Japanese. And, and it, as far as I can tell, it developed pretty quickly. Because by it did. The, there's a, there's a genuine love for it in the, in the by country. The, by the sixties or so, they had a national league, the uh, national, uh, the uh, Nippon Professional Baseball League. I yeah, I believe so. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> but um, I, one thing I want to do when I go to Japan is mm -hmm. to go to a baseball game in Japan. It, it seems like it would be. Quite a ruckus. Oh, I, yeah, I would think the energy level would just be uh, off the charts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's I, a ra there's a rabidness that you you only see in American games if there's only if there's been a, a little too much alcohol. Yes, uh, imbibed. Yeah, and I, I there and in Korea as well, I believe, oh, are yeah. very high up on. But Japan and, and don't count out Taipei. Yeah, wow! I always see them in the Little League World Series. Yes, they are big but in I, the league. I I don't believe they made it out of the group stage this year. Well, you know, there's always uh, in the future. Yes. Well, we we do have tonight uh, the U.S. playing, and uh, that actually starts as we're talking. Oh, okay. Well, we. We've got to uh, we've got to finish this uh, episode up. Then I uh, believe we, so. We need to get to watching that game. Yeah, and who are they playing tonight? Do you recall? I believe they are playing. I do not know. I am looking it up as we speak, and so I will get that information to you momentarily. Uh, uh, sorry. Damn it! Uh, oh, so oh, U.S. Venezuela. Oh, man. Venezuela is... have something to prove. Two teams with a puzzling classic history offer an intriguing matchup. Well, yeah, and Venezuela's coming off of that game against Italy. Yes. Where they, what, they came back because Italy I, got out to an early lead. And then runs, weren't they? Venezuela's bats came alive, including Miguel Cabrera, right. who just smashed it, as he does in the major leagues. <laughs> and Was is he doing on the steroids? Venezuela. Hey, you know, listen, we're beyond that. Uh, oh, sorry. No, no, that's Miguel Cabrera, right? Yeah. You're talking about? I'm yeah. sorry. I'm thinking Melky. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Melky's sorry, a whole sorry, other sorry. issue. 
which again, I am happy that the Giants did not take him back. Yes, after that uh, poor, poor Toronto. Exactly. But uh, speaking of the Giants and the World Baseball Classic, again, we'll be watching Buster Posey, and we'll be watching Brandon Crawford. Brandon Crawford, man, our, they our had such a great boys. game last time out. Yes, uh, Posey hitting a home run, Crawford coming close, but getting Double, a good number that, that of RBIs. He was an RBI hit. machine. Not to mention Brandon Crawford's defense. Wow, of come on. And that glove of his. Have you seen that glove? I he's did. Got? <laughs> I did. That's just a gorgeous it is beautiful. baseball glove. I mean, Red, white, and blue uh, all the way. Anything uh, to uh, show off his uh, defensive uh, prowess. Yep. But, uh, uh, yeah. I, and just even uh, watching the Giants in spring training just recently, uh, even their B team yep. uh, last time out, uh, i got to say some strong guys. This uh, Ru- uh, Rushage. Uh, Rushage. Oh yeah, I think it. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, I, he had a, he had some key hits. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's guy, some guy to uh, watch out for. They, uh, uh, not I, to mention Jared Parker. I think probably if things go well, you're probably going to see him in left field come I, opening I, day. I think so, I, and that's who I'd like to see. Yeah. Um, I, they beat the Indians yesterday. Yep. And today they beat the Angels seven to four. So uh, I mean, we'll see. And I got to say. Considering Buster Posey with Team USA in the World Baseball Classic, uh, Todd Hundley uh, doing very well uh, behind the plate, and yep. I would say uh, he, he will, will be, be the backup. Uh, he's just a, I think, a, I mean, a great backup to have a, 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 a veteran so like him. He can handle. I mean, if yep. Posey handles that staff, Hundley has that knowledge just as well. And the great thing is, Posey learned to handle a staff from uh, Bruce Bochy. Yeah. And yeah, former it, catcher. Even though right Bruce Bochy was a backup catcher, yeah. Bruce Bochy knew how to handle, especially relievers, mm. how to handle that staff when he played for the Padres. And I think this was probably one of the best situations Buster Posey could have been in uh, in his career. Mm. And he's just turned into a brilliant catcher. Oh, such strong. I mean... I think people kind of overlook because when he gets hot with a bat, he's one of the hottest bats in the league. But when he goes cold, it, he goes... It goes cold. But because he's so good with a bat, it over. I think it overshadows his ability to be able to call a game. Yeah. And his defense as a catcher. Yeah. Uh, last year, I think he had one of his best defensive uh, seasons oh, uh, ever. Um, so, oh, we'll see. My only fear is... Buster Posey working working himself a little too hard in spring here, and how much gas he may have come August. Well, yeah, but, but don't forget you're talking about a guy who won Rookie of the Year and then took a year off or half a year off and won sure. MVP the next year. Sorry, not took a year sure. off. Well, was, yeah, for, I mean, was forced to take a I part mean, of injury, a season yeah, off. I, yeah, I think, pre- <laughs> I think he would have preferred not to have gotten that injury. But he came back and won MVP. He did. So I. I'd love to see him get it again. I, I think as long as his offensive production is good this year and he's able to get some big wins out of his pitching staff, I think he could get it again. I think so. And also, uh, I mean, keeping with the catching, uh, the catcher's theme, Trevor Brown, uh, yeah. that they've been trying out in what in the infield. Yes, yeah, so as, uh, as far as, as backup in uh, middle infielder, I believe. Yeah. And so, 
uh, I hope that actually turns into something. I mean, we can always use a good. Uh, at the beginning of last season, he had, he had a strong bat. Yeah. And so I think you know he's still young, very young. Yes. Uh, it was a good start, and uh, just the more he learns, I think uh, a, a more um, well, just a better piece yeah. uh, to the team he'll be. And also, what I had seen, and I hadn't seen it before, and I don't know why, Connor Gillespie, who had taken over last year uh, for Nunez, especially yeah. when he got injured at third base, was pit, uh, was playing first base. Yes. Uh, and so, that's interesting in and of itself. I think we, I think the Giants now suddenly have a lot of first base, and Posey plays they, first base, Belt plays well, first yeah. base, Gillespie plays, plays first, first base. base, and uh, it, I think it just a, means they have a lot of options to be able to. You know, find that winning formula more often than say last year, and hopefully have not have the the slump that they did last yeah. year. Now, just to kind of tie it back uh, when we were talking about the Giants last episode, yeah, and we were th- trying to name the starters uh, last year in term in terms of the probable starters for, for this, this upcoming season. And we couldn't think of the guy's name. We kept going, oh, who's that guy's name? Who's that guy's name? Yeah. We didn't come up with it. Uh, Matt Moore. Oh, yes. That came over. Well, they, they got him from uh, Miami. In yeah. yeah they, uh, Tampa Bay. That had well, Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay sorry. Tampa Bay. When they traded yeah, he, uh, Matt, Matt Duffy. And so, who, for some reason, the Tampa Bay uh, Devil Rays took while he was injured. I, yeah, I mean, wow, uh, they we, really... You uh, don't see those types of trades too often, but... Not really, because then you're like, what are what are we getting out of this if yeah. we're getting an injured player? But but I had Duff, they're looking towards the future. That was Duff, just a Duffy long is a great third baseman, mm-hmm. and he is a great bat, and uh, we miss him in San Francisco. We do, but, uh, you know, you can always keep close to him, and uh, if anything, follow Matt Duffy's cat well, you, you know, two on Twitter. Se- <laughs> was it two seasons ago, I I specifically got a Duffman costume. I do remember. Yeah. I remember and, seeing the and, pictures. And wore, I remember going, yes, yeah, this is awesome. Yes, and wore it to a game. <laughs> it was sweltering hot. I, I think it was about 85 degrees and about Wow, in San Francisco. And Oof. about 110% humidity. Ouch. So it was tough. But I did it for nine innings. Oh, yeah. you're, you're a trooper. I, I try sometimes. You do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we'll uh, close the show. Yeah, there's today. a World Baseball Classic tonight. Yes. So yeah, I think uh, we got to get on that game and yep. uh, root uh, for Team USA. Yes, go uh, USA. Go USA. i but going all the way this year. Yeah, I think so. They haven't before in the World Baseball Classic, but this year is the year. Have a U.S. territory or the country win it. This Come on, year. it's our sport. Well, it, we need to represent. I, I'm hoping. I want to see USA Puerto Rico. That would be uh, be a strong game. Speaking of former, uh, speaking of the Giants, Angel, Angel Pagan, Pagan. of <laughs> yeah, Puerto he, Rico. He wasn't in spring training this year, but nope. But he uh, was playing some baseball. Exactly. He's getting up there, but he can still hit yep. for the best of them. So, anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you. To everybody, and uh, hey, we'll see you again. Uh, hope you enjoyed spending some time with us. Yes, quality time, I hope. And, well, uh, and we hope we we learned something. I think so. Yeah. I think uh, I think if you just picked up anything, uh, that we'll would be, be happy. Exactly. All right. All right. Talk to you next time. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.